Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our lockdown project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits. And today I'm having tea and biscuits with my friend and amazing writer, Tanika Gupta. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Before we get on to any other business, can you, you tell me what your preferred biscuit of choice, virtual or real? Uh, well, actually, I, I managed to uh, find a couple of Jaffa cakes <laughs> in the cupboard, which are very illegal, aren't they? Because they're far too sweet and they're really for children. But um, Oh, it's retro-tastic, though. I know. Very lovely. Very and lovely. Isn't there something about a Jaffa cake that it's not a biscuit? It's, yeah. It's, yeah, there's something yeah. in European rules or something. That it's... Yeah, probably, probably. But it's still sold as a biscuit and I eat it as a biscuit. Oh, brilliant, brilliant <laughs> choice. And how's lockdown going? Tell me where you are and paint me a picture. OK, well, I'm in my, I'm actually in my study, which is just a bedroom in my house, which overlooks uh, out into the back of shops. It's very, it's very light, very open. I get to uh, nose in on all the neighbours, what they're up to. I hear all their conversations on their phones. Um, it's a bit like Rear Window, actually. Um, so it's quite good for a writer because you spend a lot of time staring out the window. Uh, yeah, that's where I am, in lockdown in my study. And whereabouts in the world are you, or in England? I'm in uh, London. I'm in London, in East Finchley. I'm very close to Highgate Woods, so I go and have a little stomp around the woods every day for my one-hour exercise, which is beautiful. It's like just a big canopy of green in the middle of London. So it's very, and, uh, you know, during lockdown, we've been watching the the leaves coming out on the trees. I mean, it's not the sort of thing I ever noticed, to be honest, but I've been noticing it very, (laughs) very acutely. I've been stomping by the river near us and I've noticed all the bluebells coming out, all the flowers. It's made me realise how little I notice. No, totally, totally the same. And are you getting loads of work done? Because I feel that as a writer, it might be sort of heaven for you. Well, I have to say for the first few weeks, I was so discombobulated. I don't know what was going on. I think like everybody, just very, very anxious, thinking when's this going to end? And this is the end of theatre, will we ever work again? All that kind of stuff. (laughs) And lots of people phoning up and just sort of, you know, getting very anxious on the phone. Um... And then after about three weeks, I thought, oh, well, you know, I've got work. I've got work to get on with. I've got plays to write. And uh, so I've just got back to my desk and I've kind of been... It's quite nice to be able to write without the huge pressure of somebody going, when's it coming in, when's it coming in? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Pressure has vanished, doesn't it? There's like no pressure happening at the moment. Yeah, but I have four plays to write. Uh, So uh, they're all commissioned plays. So, um, yeah, I've been quite enjoying it. I mean, the thing that you know, obviously I think we all miss is seeing friends. Yeah. You know, being able to go out and have a coffee and a little drink in the pub, that kind of stuff. I know. The thing, the thing that was very funny was I sat and watched with my youngest. Uh, we were trying to find films to watch that weren't, you know, 
contagion or people killing each other. And so the one that we we both plumped on, I mean, he's 20, was um, Ratatouille. <laughs> absolutely brilliant so we enjoyed it and then halfway through we both went oh wouldn't it be nice to sit in a restaurant and eat <laughs> I said, not, with a bunch of, not with a bunch of rats <laughs> Simon loves Ratatouille he's got his thumbs up in the back he loves that film Just the animation is amazing isn't it? absolutely amazing I've never cooked as much in my life because in our world, I'm always in Pret-a-Manger or yeah. Pizza Express. You know, yeah, just the sheer drudgery of being at home is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of want things to do, but it's, you know, it's a new world for me. Have you been cooking any delicacies? Or? Well, no, because, you know, the anxiety around shopping... Yes, yeah. ...is... Yeah. is contagious isn't it is that you know yeah, uh, the first time I went to Sainsbury's uh, my heart rate was right up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I, I surprised myself how anxious I found it so no you don't I've been I've suddenly gone a bit wartime you know it's basics and we're having the same meal over and over again yeah yeah no I totally get that um kick us off with some music what's your first choice and why um, I can't remember what my first choice was. It was Yamor, was it? No. Oh, no, no. Uh, Burning Down the House by uh, Talking Heads. And uh, it just takes me back to my days at university because my friend who we, we shared a house with, he worked at the local cinema and he uh, made us all go down to watch a film with him that he was screening. Uh, and it was Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. And we all sat and watched it together. And I just... I. Every time I hear that tune, it just makes me think of that wonderful time. The sort of ten of us all sat and watched it and danced in the danced in the cinema together. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I was obsessed with burning down the house. And uh, I was listening to it as I fell asleep, and I threw my pillow onto the fire, and I literally set fire to my room whilst I was asleep. Can you believe that's such a student thing to do? I must yeah. have been drunk. I don't know. And I had to wake everybody up. We all like phoned the uh, the fire brigade. The fire brigade came out. It was snowing. The, the burning down the house was still playing in the background. <laughs> Whilst they put the fire out, we were all fine, and it was just one of those silly student things. But um, for some reason, it makes me feel very happy. <laughs> Watch out.
Talking Heads. So we met, well, I don't know exactly when we met, but we were put together for a project that was going to run alongside the Olympics in 2012. Part of the, there's no laughing yet, is there? <laughs> So oh, we, were, we were partnered. I was with Neha at the time with Sadler's yeah. Wales yes. and Stratford East yes. and to create a British Bollywood musical that would run alongside the Olympics in the Cultural Olympiad. And um, we made a musical called Vava Girls. And yes. that was when we met. Yes. Um, I know. And I mean, I suppose it's so interesting to reminisce a little bit and think back because it was a Oh my goodness, from beginning to end, it was a tricky project. It was bonkers, wasn't it? It was absolutely bonkers. We, we sort of couldn't afford it. It was too ambitious. I mean, because at one point it was going to have Bollywood dancers and I, there was talk of there being 30 to get the scale of Bollywood. And I think we ended up with three, didn't we? Or two. Yeah. And, it- <laughs> <laughs> and I think we did we the meeting once where somebody said, if we had lots of mirrors, would it look like there were more dancers? We <laughs> And they were talking about fountains and dancing in water and, you know, but basically they didn't have the money and it was all rubbish. But um, but we had, I think we had an amazing time. I really loved working with you. I feel it changed my life. Well, strangely, the actual production, even though it was quite hard to work, people loved it. People, oh. I mean, you know, it was on at the Peacock and then it went to Stratford East. And I don't think it was ever like, you know, not absolutely packed to the rafters it was fantastic um, i mean it was it was the most yeah. crazy ride but it definitely changed my my life i met you um i went to india with keith khan um yes. <laughs> we, to, we had amazing ridiculous adventures worked with nirai shark yes. um yeah. met lots of actors that have become long-term friends and yeah. colleagues um rena yeah absolutely rena tony amazing japjit core yeah. um and i feel that um that it, that, that it was a real change in my life that wasn't really about the show although i loved the show and i loved um sort of getting into the world of bollywood and the history of bollywood with you but actually what it what it did was so much more than the show it sort of changed i i've had an an enduring love affair with india and all things indian ever since that's been really facilitated by you and my relationship with you so i, I want to thank you oh. for that oh thank you well you know bizarrely I'm, i mean i didn't really know much about bollywood before and i've watched a few films here and there but because it's it's not my language. My my mother tongue is Bengali and not Hindi. So I don't really, I mean, I understood as much of the Hindi in the Bollywood movies as you did. So it was, uh, it was often they kept saying, oh, can you explain, can you explain this to Emma? And I'd be going, no, I was hoping that Emma could explain it to me. <laughs> so, but I mean, obviously I understood the sort of, you know, the storylines and all, they were more or less the same. But I think what was really what was really lovely about working on that was just I'd never worked with a director that just had such a massive vision. I mean, usually it was sort of, I was working with directors who were like, you know, picking through my script and trying to make each word work and, you know, changing lines. And you never did any of that. You just, you were thinking about the theatricality of it, which was so exciting because that's what, that's what it was meant to be. And then of course we went on to do The Empress together. We certainly which did. Which was which was at the RSC, which was equally enjoyable and probably, for me, one of the the proudest moments, you know, being at the uh, heart of the beast in Shakespeare's Shakespeare land. <laughs> well, we sort of got onto a roll and we had to continue. 
Um, yes. Before we go on to the Empress, which I do want to talk about, the um, yes. Varva girls. I think my um, my the thing that I think I'm I smile at most when I think about it. Although I I have so many happy memories of the whole thing, but I can remember having absorbed myself in the whole Bollywood culture. And yet we were setting it in sort of gritty London that we had to have a big finale. And didn't it was really late in the day. I decided to bring down a massive, massive 12 metre big um, glittery pigeon. Pigeon was wonderful. <laughs> the then... pigeon was wonderful. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, my days. What is this? <laughs> That was extraordinary. And uh, my, my bloke said to me afterwards, he said, you've never had a giant pigeon in any of your plays. <laughs> <laughs> it flapped its wings as well. It did flap its wings. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we were sort of on well, some strange by then. Yeah, it was people just people amazing. <laughs> and the other thing to think about the pigeons is we had, um, I think we had nine pigeon puppets made that came That's on right. and, um, yeah. in and out. And those puppets, knee high, ended up with custody of. And I think they've been in almost every one of my shows since so far oh. girls just sort of filters well, through the work well Rena Fatani who was in that playing a sort of old woman who was watching telly and of course she's not an old woman she's a young woman but I think one of her lines was bloody pigeons <laughs> and every every text she sends me always <laughs> it always ends with bloody pigeons to this day <laughs> <laughs> Well, to celebrate Varvar Girls, I've chosen Cholly Capiche, which was one of the existing Bollywood numbers that we created in the show, and I loved it.
such a distinctive sound, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very saucy tune because the words and lyrics are literally, do you want to see what's underneath my sari blouse? <laughs> well, there's only one Just, answer to that. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would like to see what's underneath your sari blouse. <laughs> So, yeah, so we went on, um, loved working together in all its um, Olympic chaos. And, yeah, we went on to work on The Empress. Now, I remember that you offered me this, or you got in touch with me and said, I've got this play. Um, It's going to happen at the RSC. Are you interested in directing? And I always say no to offers. I always feel that I'm too busy. And I said no. You did, did, yeah. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just couldn't. I was waking up thinking about it and I suddenly did, thought... Did I, you read it or did you just say no straight out? No, did you read it or did I you... I did read it because that's what I was thinking about. But I just thought I don't have time. I was working at Knee High. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm really careful about taking on projects outside of Knee High. And I just thought, mm. no, don't keep it simple. Stay, you mm. know, on one path. So I said no to you. And then couldn't stop thinking about it was waking up in the mornings thinking and then I just thought I cannot bear somebody else doing this so I rang you up and said Tanika can I change my mind and thank goodness I don't know how complicated it was or if it was but thank goodness um it wasn't too late and I worked on that show I was delighted I was delighted to get that call you don't usually get that when people say no they mean no so it was very nice that you changed your mind well I always mean no except in this instance and mm. it was mm. such a thrill to work on that play. Epic, classical structure. Um, mm. Three storylines weaving together that sort of cracked open a part of British history that I didn't even know about. Um, I had no idea that there were so many um, Indians in London at that time. We were so used to seeing bloody BBC costume dramas without <laughs> a single brown face in them that, you know, you completely smashed that myth and it is a myth and it was amazing. Yeah. Talk to me about that story and how it came to you. Well, it actually came to me from a photograph I saw which was in a, you know, some book I read when I was about 18 and it had a picture of a bunch of... Indian ayahs, so ayahs are uh, like nannies who look after children, in uh, Victorian Britain in 18, I think it was 1887 or something, and they were all like sat there wearing these sort of Victorian outfits with these little sort of nanny caps, and they were basically, it was a refuge for, for these nannies, who ayahs, who had been dumped at Tilbury Docks. So they come over with their English families to help them, you know, settle in England. They come over on the boat and they've been looking after the kids on the vo- long voyage over. And then, of course, when they got here, the, the the English colonial families didn't really want them anymore because they had their own English nannies and they literally just got rid of them. And they just said, no, there's no job for you, sorry. So you get all these destitute eyes wandering around London and, and these um, evangelical women pick them up and put them in a refuge in Hackney of all places and I but the photograph was so extraordinary because it just sort of captured a moment and I thought I got obsessed with wanting to tell that story and of course you know as with most women of that time there was very little written you know they didn't write letters they didn't write diaries so uh, it was just sort of like piecing together a story and trying to you know follow a trail and and then, of course, I got obsessed with Queen Victoria at the same time, had her Indian manservant. So so those two stories became, you know, sort of intertwined. And I, I did develop it with the RSC 
for about four years. Um, it took them, between each draft, it took them a year to read it. <laughs> Just the slowest, the slowest uh, feedback I've ever had. So uh, it was so frustrating. But then when they eventually suddenly decided, yes, we're going to do it, and yes, we're going to ask Emma Rice, I was like astounded, really. Oh, and it was amazing. But it is Shakespearean in its form because you had, it, it was it was really classic in that you had the monarchy and the the really domestic servant, those yeah. two stories working together, as well as the Dada by Naroji story in the middle, the political story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was thrilling in terms of um, its historical sort of surprise I found it explosive but it was really emotional as well I have such happy memories of of that show and the cast and I can't quite believe we didn't do it again no neither can I well we were going to weren't we well you've always always shows aren't you and then it didn't quite (laughs) I mean it's interesting with that play because it was actually only on for about four weeks at the RSC and um, and never went on again and it was back in 2013 or something like that and uh, it's just been picked up um, on the uh, national curriculum there's now a set text GCSE student brilliant which is quite which is quite funny so I've had to go and talk to 16 year olds a few times about 15 year olds I should say about the play and uh, had to read out the scenes and my favourite scene is always the one where I play Queen Victoria (laughs) (laughs) We should have done that. In fact, both of us yeah. are playing quite good Queen Victoria as well. It's the co-eating scene, which always made me want to I know. <laughs> eat it's every night. T-shirts um, printed which said, uh, we like curry. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next choice of music and why? My next choice is uh, Salif Keita who is a Mayan singer. He's, from, he's, he's, he's sort of basically he's an albino uh, uh, singer who never really wanted to be a singer, but he was ostracised by his community for being albino and he sort of like stumbled into singing. I just think his voice is just extraordinary and I love, I love that... Um, I love all that sort of Senegalese, Malian uh, music, but he, for some reason, just transports me to a different place. Je t'aime, mi amore, mi divertie, en elle et à la villa, tout match. Chérie, ne 
Enquanto a bem viver ser me de confiança Não era mais risonho Olhar de nós criança Da torna brilhar de inocência E na noite se esgritaiada Temporal talvez da mainã Na brandura e calmaria Nós amor também descansar Disse luta e resistência Para sobreviver nessa tormenta Na brandura e calmaria Nós amor também descansar Disse luta e resistência Para sobreviver nessa tormenta physical to me like yeah it's my heart up it's like a primal joy it's stunning it is beautiful and all those all those singers from that coast they're just extraordinary because they tell a story there was a another chat i was going to choose another one who's ali farkatori you must oh, have yes, come up yeah. with him and I, i remember going to see him play at ronnie scott's you know 100 years ago and he basically didn't speak any english he just spoke french and he just played he just came on with this tiny little guitar and started just singing. And then every song, the guitar would get bigger and bigger and bigger and the song would slightly change. And it was only halfway through that I realized that what he was doing was he was telling the story of the journey of the African slave from from uh, Mali to to the States. And he ended up playing blues and Rai Kuda came on and played with him. Oh, <laughs> just, it, was, it was like, You know, one of those things that you think, I can't remember I actually did that. I can't believe that I did that. But it's it's all those, you know, because it's that carrying of that music across the seas to uh, the States and the, and, the, and the music of the slave, basically. It's brilliant. How amazing. Well, one of the things that I feel that you've done for me is really influenced my knowledge and enjoyment of music. And the shows that we've made together have really extended um, my musical 
taste. So I'm going to surprise you. We've been Ooh. working really hard to try and retrieve something from the Empress because we never recorded it. And we found a really early bit recorded by Stu Barker, Shima Mukherjee and Japjit Kaur. This is Rani's theme from the Empress.
So I just played you a bit of Rani's theme and you were about to tell me about a WhatsApp you'd got. Yeah, no, it was it was very sweet. It was it was about a month after we'd um, come down and the two two women, um, Ran, uh, Rina Fatania and uh, the actor, the actor playing Rani, um, what's her name, Anika, they'd gone down to South Bank and they were like lolling around in these sort of long skirts, uh, pretending they were in the Empress uh, by, by the river. And they were singing this song that you just played me. And they sang the whole song and acted all the parts out, including all the, the men's parts as well. <laughs> and they said, we're missing it so much. We wish we could be still doing it. I've really felt for Oh. <laughs> no, but that was a very special show. And uh, I, I remember, because you were saying how much, you know, that, you know, you'd enjoyed it. But for me, what was really interesting was forever after that, every time I wrote a script, the director would come back to me and say, I think you think I'm Emma Rice. I said, why do you say that? And they say, because you've just written here, you know, somebody flies across the stage and you haven't explained it or anything. <laughs> you have to write stage directions to the Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I think that the whole, you, you know, your vision and the theatricality of your work and the fact that surprising things happen that, that, that us writers never even think about writing into the script that was what was so exciting about working with you because it was like not just that you were you were bringing my words to life but that you were bringing another whole other life to it that I hadn't even imagined which was very exciting oh well that goes both ways both ways <laughs> so we carried on we then I went to the globe and yes you came with me and helped me adapt Midsummer Night's Dream I don't know yes. why I said help me I didn't do it you did I was so terrified of Shakespeare because it was so heavy and you did an amazing job on just um because you are a phenomenal playwright but you also do amazing adaptations and you once gave me a bit of advice I don't even know whether you knew you were advising me which is to to be as delicate as you can to keep the original in in as much tact as you can but to make small changes and I think you did a phenomenal job on Midsummer Night's Dream for me oh thank you I didn't really feel like I did very much there was a couple of times when we sat there and read I think we read the whole thing out to each other, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we, we, we tried to cut a few lines. We kept thinking, I don't know what this means. Let's cut this. And then when we got into the rehearsal room, the actor went, where's that line gone? <laughs> oh, it's impossible to cut a line for an actor in Shakespeare. They've always got a reason. There was that, was, there was that line, um, I, I, wooed, I wooed you with my sword. And we went, oh, no, that sounds like rape. Let's take that out. <laughs> we went straight back in. Do you straight remember? Zubi? I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that was, that was fantastic. It's, it's on. It's being streamed now. I know. For, I know. For the next four months. Well, it was a real moment in time, wasn't it, that? You know, I yeah. feel like we sort of, we landed like a spaceship in that globe with that show. Oh, no. It was amazing. People, again, people just adored that show. Even now, you know, when I tweeted only last week that it was going to be um, streamed. I never, I've never had so many kind of hurrahs and just like, I don't know, about 50,000 responses or something mad like that. I thought, oh God, you know, I must tweet about Emma Rice more often. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, it's, it was a very popular show and it was all like 90, 99.9% box office hit. And oh, it people was phenomenal, it. wasn't it? And such yeah. joy and um, such surprise. It was brilliant. Yeah, What's your next yeah. choice and why? So, of course, my next choice is Mardala, which is from um, 
Well, it's actually from the film Dev Dust, and we had that amazing uh, nutcase of a of a Bollywood um, choreographer who Jarvis. came over. Yeah, Jarvis. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Uh, <laughs> who came and he he did actually do quite a good job, even though he was quite um, eccentric. Uh, he 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 choreographed Mardala exactly how it was in the film, and uh, and I just I just love I, I mean I love the choreo the choreography of that from the original film, but I, I I whenever I watch it I always think of you doing the moves. Do you remember the one when they're all like on the ground and they're sort of yes you know, half crawling <laughs> along the floor? Yes. <laughs> I always, it always makes me laugh. It always makes me think of you because you always used to join in with the dancing as well, which was hist- which was hysterical because none of us could do those moves, could we? But you always you always tried. You were great. <laughs> was it? Well, I know I love to dance, so I I was not going to let a Bollywood choreographer go without having a go at it. But that particular move used to make me laugh so much because it reminded me of Maggie in The Simpsons. You know the baby that has no legs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It was a wonderful show.
I want to pull myself along the floor and stuff. Oh, no, you do, don't you? Well, well I, 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 I've been doing Pilates in my room every morning to try and get some uh, exercising done. And I actually tried to do that move just to sort of see if I could do it. And I actually got stuck. <laughs> Take a video next time. <laughs> so one of my proudest moments was in my second and final season at the Globe I actually managed to commission one of your plays which was presented in the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse it was a play called Lions and Tigers which was very personal to you and was phenomenal directed by Pooja Guy Um, I feel like you cracked open that Jacobean Playhouse with a whole new world talk to me about that play uh, well, that was a play that I, it was the first thing I ever tried to write when I was about 20. So by the time it got on at the uh, Sam Wanamaker, when you when you put it on, I think it was about 25 years or something of trying to write it or get it get it uh, done. And because it was, um, it was based on my great uncle, so my grandfather's youngest brother, who was involved in um, violent insurrection in India during, you know, sort of freedom fighting years. So 1930 broke into the writer's building of um, uh, uh, in Calcutta and shot and killed the Inspector General of Prisons and then tried to kill himself, but managed to botch up his own suicide. So they arrested him, uh, they operated him, took the bullet out, out of him. And then six months later, they hanged him. But in the six months that he was in jail, he wrote all these letters back to his family, which I still had. <clears throat> and so they were the one, they were the, those letters are the ones that initially inspired me to try and write. So I think I must have been around the same age as he was when he died, when I started trying to write. So that's how long it took to get this um, story out there. So of course it was very personal because it's one of those family stories you 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 grow up with. You know, your great uncle was a freedom fighter. You know, he, he fought for your rights, etc., etc. So it was really amazing to not only just not only to get it on, but to get it on at the Globe, which was like opposite the. It just felt like we were in the heart of the beast. You know, you looked across the road and there, well, across the river rather, and there was St Paul's Cathedral standing there, and we had all these people running around within the theatre shooting at English officers. It was it was a very moving uh, moment, but a very proud moment, and. Um, what was uh, what was wonderful was trying to do it with uh, candlelight. Of course, <laughs> yes. you didn't have any lighting. There. This is the, always the uh, thing with the with the globe was all this lighting business, wasn't it? <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Sam Wanamaker wasn't really made for um, brown faces. So I remember the first. I think it was the first preview we did where I was sitting there watching it and the, the actors were all acting their hearts out, but you couldn't see them. <laughs> I remember when Mahatma Gandhi, the guy playing Mahatma Gandhi, was quite dark and when he came on, all we could see were these teeth. <laughs> we were getting more candles, we need more candles. <laughs> Quick, bring more candles. <laughs> oh. Yes, but it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a wonderful moment and it, it was a very proud moment. It was so... Um, yeah, nobody would take a chance on that play. Well, it was my absolute privilege to be able to take a chance, be in a position where I could take a chance on such a brilliant play. And it was so important to to hear, you know, we're so surrounded by people being called terrorists and um, yeah. no sort of context around that word. And to, yeah. uh, to actually hear the words of a freedom fighter and to look at those actions from a, through a different lens, yes. a different camera, yeah. was I felt was so important. And to yes. be on the banks of the Thames at that time 
a huge proud moment we, for me. We discovered a new talent as well, didn't we? Do you remember Shubham Saras, Shubham, the, oh, actor, yeah. the actor who played him? And we were searching for a, a, a young actor who actually looked 19 as opposed to just looked youthful. And we found him in, I think we found him, it was like final year of Guildhall or something. And uh, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he's now gone on to do massive films. TV, and I know, I keep seeing him cropping yeah, up. Yeah. But the whole yeah. cast was stellar and, and it, was, yeah. it was a very proud moment. And then yeah. I also, you um, curated a mini festival for me in the Wanamaker in that final year, the Festival of Independence. Yes. And um, I want to finish our conversation by thanking you all of the things you've brought to my life I feel like you've created curated a mini festival for me but that festival you brought Sumit Data, which was an amazing thing Mark yeah. Steele um, amazing um, performances your own play um, but you also brought Nitin Sawney I know wasn't that amazing and to the globe and it yeah. I mean I've been a fan of Nitin for forever and yeah. the fact that he played in those spaces in my final season there um I just carry with me. It was absolutely astonishing. That was—I mean, I've seen Nathan Sawney play many, many times, but that that night that he played in the Globe in the main on the main stage, that was—it was just magic, wasn't it? It was magic. And when I saw the musicians arrive for the sound check, it was like watching the world arrive. They were so cool, <laughs> and oh, it was just—you know—I just my spirit lifted. And yeah, you've done that yes. to me so many. We've opened my eyes. You've opened my mind. You're a treasured friend. And I just really value your work and your friendship, oh. your intellect and everything, Tanika. Oh, thank you, Emma. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dribble all over my Jaffa cake. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. And I hope, I hope, I hope that we get to work again together oh. uh, in the not-so-distant future. When lockdown is over... And we can uh, we can breathe again. We will. Without... <laughs> oh, yes. gosh, tell me about it. We will. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play yeah. us out with um, the first Nitin Sawney track that I fell in love with, which I think the lyrics are a bit pertinent for us now, which is Sunset yeah. from the amazing album Prophecy. Set with the sun
get set with the sun. If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.